the last couple of days um, here at Cal, like, you know, there's been, I don't know, like 10 kids that have just spent, you know, 15, 20 minutes just getting reps off the block, you know, working on that load, you know, we're trying to have a, a better angle on the entry, you know, things like that. Like, I love just seeing people experiment and try to, to just get reps in. Welcome to Social Kick. I'm Brian Lundquist. We got the full crew, Dr. John Mullen, Luke Paddington in purple, and Fresh to California, Josh Uger. What's going on, Josh? How are you? Not a lot, man. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, thanks for coming on. All right, well, we'll start it uh, with a little lighthearted rapid fire. What could you go in a 50 free right now? Yards. Uh, hopefully short course yards. Yeah. <laughs> I think I could probably throw down a respectable, uh, you know, 23.5. All right. Anything says with a 23 is pretty good. Okay. So moving from Tennessee to California, in and out or cookout? Ooh, uh, I, I think I have to say in and out now at this point. We've had it once <laughs> since being in town. Um, but in and out, you know, whenever I've been on the West Coast, has definitely been a, a must stop place for me. I live in California. In and out, overrated. Fries are terrible. Um, we asked. We asked uh, when we had Hugo Gonzalez on the sh on the show. We asked him what the capital of California is, and he didn't know. So, do you know what the capital of California is? Yikes! Um, uh, rain check. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and then lastly, did you bring earplugs? I, I did not bring earplugs with me. I got AirPods. They noise cancel. I don't know if that's uh, happy happy in between. Well, you're going to need something if you're standing next to Durden on deck. <laughs> that is the loudest whistle ever. It, it's a hearty whistle. I've, I've experienced it for the first time yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> that's good to know. Yeah. Uh, well, and I, I don't know if you know this, but I swam for Durden. He uh, recruited me to Summit Auburn, so he coached me for two years there. And I, I heard all the whistles firsthand. So uh, I... Uh, Enjoy that. Enjoy that. It'll be great. So try to take some notes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What? Uh, okay. So let's go back a bit. Tell us about your last race, your last memory of your last race as a swimmer yourself. Yeah. Um, so I wrapped up my collegiate swimming. I swam at a Division two school, um, IUP, on Pennsylvania under uh, a guy, Chris Villa. Um, awesome human being. Great guy. Got me into. Uh, I guess loving the sport of swimming from a, a coaching standpoint, you know, that's mm -hmm. why I wanted to get into it. And um, so my last swimming memory would have been at the 2011 PSAC championships, um, just wrapping things up four by one freestyle relay, um, just lots of good vibes, you know, doing it with, uh, you know, guys that are still my best friends, guys that were in my wedding that we connect with, um, you know, things like that. So lots of great memories. Don't remember much about the the race, but just, you know, the, your overall experience and uh you know bonds you know throughout that those are the bonds that stay with you uh so don't remember a split or what leg of the relay you swam or what place you guys got probably not the top of my head no <laughs> all right well what about this were you did you know that you were done and was it kind of a fling the goggles into the stands moment and walk into the sunset <laughs> I, I think I knew I knew that I was done. I was I was dealing with some shoulder things, um, you know, and so it was. Uh, I, I think it was uh, definitely the the end of the competitive uh, swimming side of things for me from like the swimmer standpoint. So I think going into that uh, that meet, you know, I, I knew um, that, that was probably going to be the the last one. I don't think I necessarily, uh, you know, 
you know, what is it, slingshotted <laughs> the, the, the goggles into the stands or anything like that. But, uh, yeah, I, I think I knew at the end that that was, that was the one, you know, gave, gave Chris a hug and, you know, enjoyed the dry side. What percentage of college swimmers have the four by one relay as their like last race ever? It's got to be so many, right? Just because that's how pretty much every conference, every NCAA meet ends up. That was my last swim was a four by one relay. It's got to be the, the highest percentage yeah. of race yeah. that is the last one for most it people. And it's a good one, right? What a relay. Yeah. And, and with your teammates. So I'm with you. Good one to go out on, Josh. Definitely. <laughs> I, I, I want to say my last couple of swims. I was like, yeah, that sucked. Yeah, I was really happy. But I was so thrilled to see my, my brother swim or my teammates do well, standing on the end of the deck. And I got so much more hype from their successes and, than mine. And that's when I realized, you know what? I want to work with people and help them get better at the sport. And I got a real passion. And I got into coaching. I started coaching my, my school. I started coaching my club, et cetera. Is that sort of what you felt on your, after your last swim? Were you in that period of transitioning and new coaching for you? I think that I had already begun kind of thinking that that collegiate coaching was the route that I, I wanted to go in. Um, and so, you know, I, I did my undergrad in sport administration um, mm -hmm. and had at that point gotten into a master's program for sports studies. So I knew that I was kind of already gearing things towards that. And again, uh, Chris Villa um, had been very influential just in, in my life, you know, from the mm -hmm. collegiate side of things. And so um, he definitely was, uh, you know, egging me on to get, get on, you know, get into that. Um, you know, I, I don't know if at that point we had locked things up, but I, I started coaching at IUP as well. That was the first collegiate coaching stop that I had. I was there for, um, I guess a volunteer year while doing my masters mm -hmm. and then, um, stayed on a year after that, you know, coaching with him, you know, as, as a paid, uh, position. But, and, and what did you, I mean, you've moved so much in that, when was that? That was 2012. Yeah. You've moved quite a lot. And what, what, what dictates those moves? Are people moving you or are you looking for moves and why? Like as your career develops? I don't know if I would say I've been looking for moves per se, right? Yeah, yeah I think I think always looking for a challenge, right? You know, it's it's something that you always want to uh challenge yourself to try to do more. Um and I think each move that I've tried to make has been strategic in that standpoint you know i went from division two um to mid-major uh, at yep. the college of william and mary under matt crispino mm -hmm. um from william and mary you know mid-major i went to the acc with ned skinner um from there you know sec with matt credich and mm -hmm. uh dave gave me a call um i guess about a month and a half ago and you know when dave calls uh you answer the call so <laughs> One thing you didn't note was what conference Cal's in. Does anyone even know anymore? <laughs> so we, we Pac-12. <laughs> okay, thank you. What are those 12 teams? What's that 12 stand for? <laughs> yeah, but for real, are you guys talking about that? Like what the potential looks like for travel and uh, operating budget with, you know, just the the ever-changing landscape of college alignment driven by football yeah i mean i think as a whole right you know uh, the the college athletic landscape is shifting and will always be right you know i think it's just something that you know football and basketball are are driving the train right and i think most other sports are along for the ride um you know i know in talking to dave you know he's He's just kind of been a steady hand and, you know, we know what our goals are. We know what the, the vision is and we're going to do our thing and, 
that's that, you know. Um, I know that uh, Cal is, is blessed in terms of uh, endowments, you know, within the program and things like that. So, you know, I think he feels like we're in a place where uh, the, bot, the boat's not going to be rocked that much, um, you know. So that's definitely been a comforting hand, you know, just as things have been going on. You know, I, I don't think the team has felt much stress, you know, other than just, you know, where, where are we going to be competing at the conference level? Do you think it matters actually for swimming, like the way it does for other sports to compete in season? Cause we joke often like college dual meets don't, don't really mean anything. Like they don't count toward anything. So, I mean, it's like these other sports are having to think about how do we fly to the East coast? But I mean, honestly, you know, could you just sit that out and not have to fly to the East Coast to swim against other teams? You could just like dictate your own travel schedule and then put all eyes on conference meet at the end of the year. And, you know, it's like it just doesn't does it does it matter for swimming? Yeah, you know, I, I think uh, you in every conference different. You know, I know in the SEC at Tennessee, there were certain meets that we had to swim throughout the season. But, you know, I think as a whole, right, you know, you can find competitive meets nearby right you know those are all rehearsals um yeah. you know for what you're trying to do at the end of the season and so i think big picture you know it, it probably doesn't matter unless you have mandates you know by your conference on who you gotta go fly out to or drive out to compete against you know but again like i know dave you know the the big picture is you know can we win you know uh national championships and put people in positions to win medals you know that's mm -hmm. that's the vision now it's it's when you spoke about your journey and how you've moved to schools that I guess are faster and faster, um, the your passion isn't changed. The kid, the kids are still kids and still swimmers on a journey. You still have great stories. Um, I get so excited watching watching my my kids race against each other. As much as I see, you know that for that fifteen hundred final at Worlds, you know that was really exciting to watch. I mean, the difference is they're breaking world records and swimming times that blow your mind. But it's still mm -hmm. swimming is sweet because swimming is you can enjoy our sport at any level, and if you really think about it. So I, I'm 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 interested doing. What have you noticed as as you've gone from you know from IUP to you know to Cal from going all the way up from mid majors? What have you noticed if anything different in how? the love of the sport is and, and the love of swimming is uh, from a coaching being at these fast and faster schools. Yeah. I, I don't know if I would say the love of swimming changes, right. You know, no. as the schools have gotten faster, you know, I, yeah. I, I remember, you know, 19, 20 year old me, you know, sitting, you know, in the office at, at IUP, right. Division two. Yeah. And like, I, I love nerding out with Chris, you know, we'd spend, you know, I think at that time it was like flow swimming and the swimmer circle and things like yep. that. You know, we were just like, did you see this? You know, talking about what was happening out there. And, you know, I think uh, at each spot I've been at, you know, I've been blessed to just work with a group of athletes and work with coaches that, that just love the sport. You know, and I, I think that's kind of been been a constant. You know, the, the athletes change. Um, you know, I think the... Uh, I guess the athletes and where they come from has also shifted a bit, right? You know, they, they're now coming from all around the world versus maybe just domestically or, or things like that. But, you know, I think the, the love of the sport has been a universal that I've, I've been blessed to just continue to be surrounded by. Uh, how much of a swimming nerd are you? Like, if there was a PhD in this swimming nerds, uh, you think you've got, like, a few of them? Where, where you at? 
Uh, I don't know if I would have if I have any PhD, but it's a tie, I would say. <laughs> when when I swam in the nineties, there was nothing online, and we would get the Swimming Canada magazine that had the meet results at the end of it printed out, and they were like a month or two old. But we would sit there and we would memorize these things and know about yep. that stuff. That that was the kind of level we're at. Were you like that level? Just like, oh yeah, I know what Brian's best time was or his split was at nationals. You know, Brian Lundquist or something like that. Were you that level? Me? No, not maybe. Any of you. Maybe not that deep. You know, going through the, the mags and you know memorizing yeah. the times. But you know, definitely enjoyed you know looking through it and and seeing just what was going on in in the sport. You know, why why is that? Was it just like? It spoke to your personality, your character. You wanted to know more. You got excited by it. What is it about swim nerds that make them damn good coaches in many ways? Yeah, I think it's just the the excitement of the sport, right? You know, I, like I I get excited by seeing a fast, you know, dive and glide to fifteen. You know, yeah, you <laughs> see things like that, and you're like, heck yeah. Um, and I think that was even even back then. Um, you know, just those little things. You know, things that that just seemed fast. Right. Yeah. You know, you could just enjoy. What are some of the things I'm curious that you were opportunities for you as a swimmer um, that you worked on, tried to do well. And now that as a coach, you see your athletes like really nailing at an elite level. Or is there anything that you were like, that's one thing that I notice when I'm watching elite swimmers is things that I worked on. And then maybe like back in 50 speed and finishing the last 10 of a hundred or, you know, the athletic ability off the block and being able to like accelerate through the breakout to 15 and do it really clean and fast. Is there anything um, like, and, and I'm like, Oh, that's, it's so fun to watch because that's the example of things that I was trying to nail or that I worked on and strive for. So is there anything that that you do or you know coach on a daily basis that's like, well, now you have these athletes that are doing it and executing it amazingly well? Yeah, well, I think like multiple layers to it, right? Like I think the thing that I enjoy the most is seeing people take that next step in terms of trying to do something better, right? You know, I, I love seeing athletes stay after and, and you know, if something didn't click in the workout, Right. I believe that you can get everything you need done in a workout. Right. But let's say something's not clicking right away. Like I love seeing people tinker. Right. You know, keep a camera out, you know, and see what they're doing underwater. You know, have somebody record them like going off the blocks. Right. You know, the last couple of days um, here at Cal, like, you know, there's been, I don't know, like 10 kids that have just spent, you know, 15, 20 minutes just getting reps off the block. You know, working on that load, you know, we're trying to have a, a better angle on the entry, you know, things like that. Like, I love just seeing people experiment and try to, to just get reps in. Um, I think the thing that I personally enjoy the most is the technical technical component of a start, right? Like, I think that there's there's so many little details that go into the big picture of it. Um, and so I, I, I like nerding out over that a bit. Um, and so like that, those those things are, are fun to me. What I mean, so you've coached one of the best starters in recent memory, and Jordan Crooks, it, um, and and obviously like you know at the program with Erica Brown there, obviously known for for front end speed and many others, but um, you know new to Cal and new to a, a group of guys here and gals who are ready to pick your brain and your expertise. Is there anything that people have been asking you about? Is there anything that when you get a new group of athletes that you know you start to drop in these nuggets of wisdom or things to think about? Yeah. Yeah, no, I think so. And, you know, I think the, the cool thing for me, I, I think when it was announced that I was taking the job, um, you know, I, I think I got like 300, 400 text messages from like 
Cal current athletes, alums, parents, like things like that. Just people really jazzed about it. Um, so like the cool thing from the athletes is like they immediately started like kind of asking some of those questions. You know, Bjorn Seliger, he wrote me like a two-page letter and, and mailed it to me, just thoughts um, and, and things like that. And so, you know, I, I think the the group of athletes that, that's here, and again, like I, I'm the new guy on the block. I, you know, unloaded my moving truck like two days ago, so I'm sleeping on the bed now. But um, like they're just hungry, you know, they, they, they're inquisitive and, you know, they, they want to know how they can, can do things better, which is awesome, right? As a coach, you love that. And one thing you mentioned, like you said, you love just having the athletes tinker and just like play around in the pool as a coach. And obviously on a college level, it's different, but how do you try to get them to be creative and just play, play around in the pool? Cause I'm assuming a lot of these athletes are, you know, pretty type a it's, you know, you know, they're, they're kind of, they know what they want to do. They know what they like to do and to have that creativity almost got to get them to, you know, put all preconceptions behind them and not think at all. Are there certain things you do to try to set an environment like that, that you've had success with? Yeah. I mean, just try to have fun, right? Like, I think that's the biggest thing. Yeah. If you're having fun, I think that kind of lets the walls down where then you are open and receptive to doing things a little different. Um, you know, we're trying something that, that might not work. You know, I think so, so many times people are afraid to do something new because they don't know if it's going to actually help them. But if you're having fun, then it, it kind of becomes a game and you're not so, you know, walled off in, in terms of trying it, you know? And, and so I know at like Tennessee, like we, we would play just games all the time, you know, with the, the guys there, like we, you know, chuck tennis balls at each other just kind of throughout right you know and so you're you're trying stuff but you're also dodging tennis balls and things like that you know and so there's a time and place for all of it but i think if you're having fun i think that's when you can can really kind of learn and and get better kind of a similar question because i was trying to figure out what's your style of coaching because i um i've seen your results i've seen you on deck at nc's but I'm, with that, sergio lopez told me that he when he gets a new told us when he got a new swimmer he'd wait like two weeks before he spoke to the swimmer Right, he's just observing, observing, figuring out, well, why is that swimmer have this catch versus this? What is it about that? And learning and then dropped some knowledge and worked with him. Um, I was just home in Trinidad last week and I went to my old swimming club. I'm standing on deck and with the coaches and I'm seeing all these athletes. And my, I was burning to like give some advice and say something. It's not until I was invited to look, if you like, you can run this set or something. But I was still extremely hesitant for making any major changes. So I felt I just thought one thing, small because and that was age grouper what's your way of, of of working with athletes at the elite level you're at you know initially and what's the progression over time yeah so i think initially right like what, what sergio said um yeah i don't know if i'm per se to the extent of waiting two weeks to say anything <laughs> to, to someone um but it, it's i like to think of it as small nuggets right like you know what i've seen in the water i've met with a couple of athletes um over the last couple of days and you know, they're asking questions and things, but like, you don't have the full picture right now. You know, like what you're seeing in the water right now is completely different than what you're going to see when you're actually in, in the, the heart of it, right? When you're getting to the meat and potatoes of, of training and different phases and things like that, you know, right now, you know, doing 25s and, you know, working on lines and talking about how you get out of the water and, and things like that, you know? And so the profile of, of the athletes, in terms of what I know of them right now is so tiny, you know, right. compared to what it will be, you know, a month from now, the two months from now, the three months from now, so on and so forth. And so I think little nuggets um, is, is the way to go. Right. And then as you learn the athlete, you're also going to learn like who can handle what, you know, some people want to deep dive. Some people want to still only get the little nuggets because they, they can't necessarily mm -hmm. think beyond like that next step. 
you know, and I think that's just part of relationship building is, is getting to know them on that level and, and figuring out what, what approach is going to work best for them. And I think everybody's a little different in that regard. Totally. How excited are you to coach outside? <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm pumped. I've never done it. Um, you know, well, I want to say never done it. Tennessee had an outdoor pool. We didn't use it that much, but, uh, you know, it's definitely been an adjustment. Um, you know, I, I've got the the light pullover in the mornings and by afternoon here, you know, the, the fog is burned off and it's a little yeah. warmer. So I think I'm packing two outfits a day right now. Still trying to figure out what to, to balance with it. But um, no, I mean, I'm, I'm excited about it. Do you have your wide brimmed hat yet? Not yet, but we'll on, on order soon. All the other coaches have some on their desk. So I know I've got to join the club. <laughs> What, what kind of athlete do you get most excited coaching? Um, I mean, all of them, of course, you care, but is it one who has a lot to work on? One who, you know, a small tweak makes a big difference? One who hasn't had success and breaks out? Like, what, are there, it's all kinds. What gets you, like, really pumped to work with a certain athlete? Is there one? I don't know if there's, like, one per yeah. se, right? Like, I think there's so many different things that make make a moment special, make something satisfying or gratifying, right? Like, I think just helping somebody figure something out or do something 1% better for me personally is, is awesome. Right. You know, you see somebody that hasn't gone a best time in two years, kind of have that finally have that aha moment. Right. Or, you know, you, you have somebody go 17, nine, right. Like I don't think that there's per se a different level of satisfaction of that or excitement. It's just different, you know? Agreed. Now, there's been some transitions, obviously, in, in the Cal coaching staff, um, obviously, on the women's side over the last you know, year or so, and now you coming in as well. How, how are you going to fit into the equation there? Have you and uh, you know, Dave and everyone sat down and, and kind of figured all this out yet? I'm assuming when you're being brought in, this is a point of discussion, but there's been a few moving parts there even within the last, you know, since the season ended. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I met with Dave, and you know, I told him, like, this is your, your umbrella. It's a pretty darn good umbrella, you know, <laughs> wherever you want to use me, however I can help the program. Like that's, that's what I'm here for. Um, you know, I think that I'm going to be primarily working with the, the, the sprinters, um, you know, alongside Dave as well. Um, but I think that will kind of be my, my point of emphasis. Um, I think my technical like title and role is like men's associate head coach. And I'll be focusing on men's recruit recruiting with little touches on the women's side alongside Kim Williams. Um, but, you know, I think that will primarily kind of be my world. Um, and then as Dave kind of needs different things, you know, try to help, you know, in that regard. Josh, I don't think I've ever asked a coach this or really thought about it, but as a swimmer, you know, you set, you have team goals and then you often have individual goals for some people, they're time-based. I would say a lot of them are, but some swimmers don't think that way. But for coaches, you spoke earlier about, hey, the you know when you join Cal, the vision is and the goal is championships. But do you as a coach, to that point about how I can be used in the program, do you as a coach have individual goals? Do you have things in your coaching repertoire that you're hoping to improve upon personally? And what would those be? Yeah, I, th I think so. Right. Like, I, I think if you're, you're not trying to improve upon things, then you, you're, you're stagnant, right. You're not getting better. And I think that's something that, that Matt Kreditch does a phenomenal job of. And he instilled that in me over the last four years is like, like <laughs> Matt is always learning, you know, there, there was always somebody like 
on a zoom call with us as a staff or in town at Tennessee, you know, and like, I mean, I felt like I was in like chemistry class again, um, you know, just kind of diving into some of those topics and whatnot, you know, 90% of it went over my head, but Matt was always there to kind of like help kind of, kind of break it down. Um, but I mean, Matt was just like, you've always got to be learning, you know, if you're not, what are you doing? Right. And so I think just as a whole, right. Trying to, to talk to other coaches that are doing things really well, uh, pick their brains if they're open to it. Um, talk to different specialists that are out there and, and try to try to learn something new that you can bring to the, the equation. Um, you know, I just think there's so many things that you can just pursue in and out of the water to help somebody swim faster, you know? Is there anything else like that you're going, mm, I'd love to be a better breaststroke coach or, mm. you know, um, there's an area that I see someone else has expertise in that I want to add that are kind of top of your list. <laughs> we had a moment, uh, a couple months ago, we were running a camp and, uh, we got to uh, crossover turns and that made me realize that's an area that I can continue to improve upon. Um, and, and all the other coaches there too, you were like pulling in some of the, you know, the, the post-grad athletes that were there and, you know, doing deep dives into uh, slow motion turns with them and getting them to articulate what they're looking for and things like that. But I think that's like one specific area that like I can definitely get better at, you know, uh, as a coach, um, but across the board, right. There's so many, so many different things, uh, per stroke that people are tinkering with, like tweaking, um, around the world that, you know, I think you can, can always be learning just stroke by stroke, something new. Well, wait, are, should we, um, should we pause the, uh, the, the emphasis on crossover turns and coaching those better until we know if there's going to be a rule change after what happened this summer? <laughs> yeah. So that, that was a, there's a lot going on with that. We need more cameras, man. Um, <laughs> the, I, I want to switch to recruiting. You, you have a really good um, reputation for your recruiting skills. And I want to ask some questions. And I'm going to be biased to very Trinidad and Tobago again. Sorry, guys. But 20 years ago, uh, uh, David Marsh saw this kid come forth at Worlds. He went 201, 200 IM at 16. His name is George Ravel. David went down to Trinidad to that same pool I said, spent a weekend looking at George swim, recruited him. He went to Auburn and the career happened. Yep. This summer, you recruited a, a really good talent from Trinidad and Tobago, <clears throat> Nikolai Blackman. You can see Nikolai swim. We see his swimming. He's, he's, he's um, improving with every swim. He just went 22-3, low and 149.9. Yep. Every swim he's improving. Tall, tall guy, but you can see his talent and you recruited him. What, what is it that you're looking for um, when you're recruiting these athletes, um, what do you need to see? What do you look for? Um, you know, and, and Cal just has two of the best recruits coming, right? Jones and um, uh, Shackle, right? So they're coming. Mm -hmm. What are you looking at in your recruits? And what, what's, what, what do you pay for? Personality, stroke technique, work ethic, pedigree? What is it? Yeah, I mean, I think you, you look for a little bit of it all, right? You know, I think you can be the fastest athlete in the world if you're not a good person, right. You know, then there might not be a good fit there with that. Right. So we try to build a relationship with people. I try to build a relationship. Um, I want them to get to know me for who I am, the, the staff. I want to get to know them, you know, as who they really are, not just the person on the other end of the, the phone or the camera. Um, and so we really try to, to do a deep dive into to each athlete personally. Um, and then, you know, you start looking at how, how do they move in the water, right? You know, you mm -hmm. can sometimes look at somebody and say, wow, like, the water, the water really likes him, him or her. 
um, you know, on top of the water, underwater, right? Like there's a specific flow that I think you can kind of see where people just can, you know, they're slippery through the water. Um, And so, you know, I think sometimes you can just kind of see somebody for five seconds and be like, dang, this kid can swim. You know, he's going to be pretty good. And, you know, that was, that was the case for Nikolai, um, you know, and, and, and so many others. And so I think that's, that's kind of how uh, I go about it. You know, as you're, you're building relationships with people or is there, you're in the stands at a meet and you see something, you know, you're, you're writing it down and then, you know, <laughs> sprint, you know, sprinting to, you know, their coach or whatever to try to make a connection. Um, yeah. You know, but I, I definitely think there's, there's some things that you can see in certain athletes where you're just like, Holy smokes, this kid's going to be good. Um, but then on the flip side, sometimes you're, you're surprised, right. You know, maybe, you think somebody can be good, but you know, maybe not that good, <laughs> you know, like, I think that's, there's always athletes that make, make somebody make a coach look good. Yeah. You mentioned, you know, seeing the athlete in the water and if they're slippery or just how they interact with it. And um, I think we're all a generation when, you know, recruiting, maybe the coach wasn't able to watch you swim, you know, before they recruited you. Um, now you're at a, you know, account now and, and even at Tennessee and, and some other places you're at, you're, you're probably seeing a lot of these athletes swim in person at nationals or even international meets, but for athletes, you can't see, are, are people sending you videos now or how does that whole process work with um, yeah. recruiting and gathering Intel and information maybe now compared to where we were 10, 20 years ago? Yeah, no, I mean, I think, there's a lot to be said for being able to see somebody in person, right? Whether it be in the stands at a meet or doing a club visit. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of really good things that happen when you're on club decks. Um, you know, getting to sit down and, and talk with, or maybe not sit down, but, you know, on deck with a coach and they're like, you know, Hey, you're here to see this person, but have you seen this guy? Right. You know, and then you're like, Oh man, like that kid's phenomenal. <laughs> um, you know, so I think there's a lot to be said for in-person uh, recruiting because you do get to, to have just more time to, to see how they're carrying themselves in a workout or after a, a disappointing race or mm-hmm. during, you know, after a great race. Um, but I think, you know, as a standard, like we always try to get video. I'm a big, big video guy. So, you know, I think anybody that I recruit, I'm asking them, you know, to, to send me video, like throughout the entire recruiting process. You know, I, I ask them like, if you do something really good at practice, or if you guys are like suiting up, like, you know, get somebody to pull out a phone and just, you know, send me what you're doing. Um, so definitely do a deep dive in all that. And that's probably the, the, the biggest thing that's changed over the years mm-hmm. is just access to it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And, and this is a strange question. I don't know what the answer, if, if it's a good question, but when you're applying to go to Cal as a student, you know, you got to work in the SATs, you got to do some volunteer service. You got to, there's several things you got to check out the box to get into the school. What, what advice would you give kids who would like to swim at a school that they can work on you know, in uh, when they're 14, 15, 16, is there advice that you can that we can give a, ch- a kid saying, yeah, you know, let's work on technique. Yeah, get fast, obviously. But what what if if a 14 year old is listening to this and wants to swim at Cal in three years time, what's the kind of things they should be working on? Is that a good question? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd listen, no, that's listen, a bad listen. question. <laughs> question with yeah, the and the answer is like get fast as well. Yeah. Tell me I'm doing good. I, <laughs> I mean, like, I think that's always a, a trap question, right? You know, yeah. like, yeah, if a kid's saying, you know, do you have any advice for me or, or what should I be doing? Like, I, I think by default, I always say, listen to your coach, you know, because like, I, I've got thoughts, but it could be completely different than like what they're doing within their program. And, and that's, that's a slippery slope, you know, 
A, it confuses the kid. B, you might, you know, tick off their coach. Um, so, like, that's that's the main thing I say is, you know, work with your coach, trust your tro- your coach, what you're doing. Um, but, you know, the long answer, like you said, is, you know, keep working hard, right? You yeah, know, yeah. Be, be inquisitive, you know, like, I think there's so many things that people are putting out, like uh, James Gibson, like, he puts out videos all the time, yeah. like, like dive into what people are, are doing around the world. You know, there's slow-mo videos of some of the best athletes in the world out there right now. Like, like study that stuff, you know, figure out what they're doing because it's, it's swimming fast. <laughs> I, I, the best story about getting recruited for Cal has to be Rolanda's story. Have you heard the story about Rolanda's Gambutas? When he showed up so. on deck? So he's, he was, he's from Lithuania, Olympian. Do you know the story, guys? When Mike saw him in Europe, and says, oh, Rolandus, I'd love to meet you one day. He, he made a very casual, friendly thing. I believe Rolandus interpreted to be like an invite to swim at Cal. And he showed <laughs> up on deck and like, I'm ready to swim for you. And he's like, wait, what? And he, and, he, and he hadn't been recruited officially, but he worked his butt off and trained. And a year later, he made a team. And a year later, he made a team. And he did it. But it was a very funny, like, it was a good story. But he just worked his butt Absolutely. off. He wanted to be there. And that's what happened. He, he took a risk. Yeah, no, absolutely, right? Like, if you're able to, to take risk and work your butt off, you know, great yep. things can happen. Yep. Now, we've been talking a lot about, you know, maybe recruiting kids and kids that maybe want to, you know, swim at that next level. But, Josh, kind of like where you were, I mean, there's a lot of people in their 20s that are like, hey, I want to maybe get into college coaching eventually. Mm-hmm. What is, like, being, you know, the head recruiter for the men's at Cal, like what is the day to day and like, what does that look like for the year? You mentioned going into like club workouts. Like, are you going to a club every weekend or like how often are you doing these types of trips? And, and are you calling a hundred kids a night? I mean, I can only imagine the, the spreadsheet that has to be, you know, you know, just refined over and over to keep track of all these kids. Now yeah. all the different means of communication, Holy moly, we can barely keep track of one Instagram as a group, let alone like you're messaging people here, you're messaging people there. Oh, this state, we can only do this or at this, like, I, and then we have international athletes too, right? When yeah. Cal obviously has a great reputation for it. How, how do you keep track of this? What does it look like just to maybe paint a picture for someone that thinks, Hey, maybe I want to do this later. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think there's different times throughout the year where it looks different, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the the time frame that we just came from, that that's pretty chaotic, um, you know, mm-hmm. in the beginning, right? You know, June 15th rolls around and, and you're reaching out to, you know, uh, a large grouping of athletes. Um, you know, it was, it was unique this year for me because I started the class of 25 recruitment still on staff at Tennessee. Like Dave hadn't called me yet. Um, and by June... 27th I was like at, at Cal like you know being you know recruited by Dave um so you know I think I think that chunk of time you know from June 15th until like through fall recruiting weekends that's pretty pretty crazy you know where you're you are doing a lot of club visits you are navigating a lot of phone calls text um things like that um a lot of club visits um you know so I think that time gets busy and, and then as you start to put your class together um, it begins to kind of uh, slow down. I, I don't think recruiting ever stops. Um, you know, I think if your goal is to have the most competitive roster you can, you you always are keeping your eyes open or, or talking to people. Um, but there's definitely an ebb and flow of like like busyness um, as it takes place. Um, I'm a big phone guy and a big like social media guy, so I'm kind of always putting stuff out there or, or texting somebody like a thought or 
you know, somebody does something fast, you know, here on our end, like I'm sending a video out to, to some of the kids that we're, we're recruiting and being like, Hey, you know, check this out. Um, so I think there's just a constant flow of communication. And I think that goes back to just the relationship building like component. You know, I, I, my goal is for people to feel like they're getting a peek behind the curtain of what it's actually like at a place. So that way it's not a surprise when they get there. Right. Or they're, they're going into the recruitment with their eyes wide open instead of just seeing what uh, different websites are telling them a place is, you know? Yeah. yeah. Is there a system that helps you keep track of all that though? I mean, in terms of like you're coaching one minute and then uh, taking care of your current athletes and what their needs are, but in the back of your brain, you know, you're also capturing that moment, sharing that out. And I could, I could see that just being a lot to to carry and keep track of. Is there like a system that really works well for you to do that at an elite level? Uh, Google calendar is really good. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I keep that pretty pretty filled out um, with with a lot of different alerts that, that kind of remind me of things. Um, but I think for the the mo- like most part, outside of like like that, like scheduling calls or or details of a, a visit or whatnot, you know, I think it's just kind of a, a natural thing. Like for me, where like I I want you know kind of going back to to me when I was an athlete or you know where I am now. Like I just love swimming, and so like if I if we're doing something like on deck. I've gotten pretty good at like pulling out the phone and being able to record it while still being fully engaged, you know, in what's happening. Right. And then throwing it out there. You know, I, I, I like kind of posting anything that that's happening that I think is, is good. You know, I know some people like kind of keeping some, some cards close to their chest. I think if it's out there, like that's, that's great. You know? Go ahead. Go ahead Luke. Yeah. I was going to say, that's gotta be great for recruiting. Like you said, just posting, this stuff out there it keeps them in the you know the, you in the top of their mind and and like you said it kind of gives the behind the curtain of what they're looking to achieve and what they're hoping to see but um i don't know i, I it just seems like so much to juggle so you're you're texting athletes like during practice like recruits and you're coaching as well or how does that balance look yeah i mean like it's it's one of those things we're probably not sending out too many texts during during a workout or whatnot um but they, you know they definitely come in you know if it's something that you know, if there's a time and place to be able to send a quick response back, but if not, you know, you wait till, till that's over. Um, my, my wife has challenged me to get better at, uh, putting the <laughs> phone away at different times. Um, you know, but there, there's definitely a, a catch up game that takes place, you know, throughout different, different days, you know, as you're trying to respond to, to people that you might've not had an opportunity to respond to just yet. Um, but, you know, I think a time and place for everything. You know, there's a, there's a big part of recruiting your job. I, I'm sure it sucks. There's some, you have some really hard conversations. You, you, that's, I'm sorry, buddy, all the spots are filled. Or we don't have it this year. Or I would love to have you. Or, you know, I recruited you and now I'm moving on to somewhere else. Like, you just had to do. Uh, those are hard conversations you've had with the swimmers and these young teenagers, these young men and women. Uh, how, do you, how do you work through that? Have you got better at that? Has you got more experience in it? It's, it's hard. Yeah, it's hard. I don't know if you ever per se get used to it, right? You know, there's definitely a tangible disappointment that you feel from an athlete as you tell them they don't have an opportunity um, at at your school. Um, I think one of the goals that I have is to to never have it come like out of left field, right? Like I think that there's like a trail of breadcrumbs that you can have leading up to a moment where you inform them they don't have an opportunity um, or they're still too far away at this time. Um, You know, I think my goal is to never never 
have to like have a conversation with a kid where it's just like, no, you know, or like, Hey, we got to know what your, your decision is. You got a day, right? Like th those things stink. This process is already stressful enough. You know, I think if you're, if you're being well thought out and, and managing things well, you can avoid a lot of, uh, conflict and, and heartache, um, you know, just by being kind of proactive on some, some things. And that's not to say it still doesn't happen, but I think you can limit it. Yeah. Great. How much have you learned about that scholarship strategy? And, you know, I would imagine coming from a, as a, as an athlete yourself, um, are there even D scholarships in D2? Like, was that a thing that you even thought about? And then as you get into, you know, coaching, um, there's a lot to learn on the admin side that is like barely swimming or athletically related. I'm just curious, like how, how that's progressed over your time as a coach. Yeah, I think I'm in a pretty unique situation where I've coached at a lot of different levels. Um, you know, having swum D2, coached D2, um, there is scholarship. The rules are a little different um, within, you know, Division II um, athletics versus Division One. So having a hand, you know, being able to get my hands, you know, dirty, I guess, in, in that world, you know, kind of began everything. Then I went to William & Mary, which was, you know, Division I uh, mid-major. And there were no scholarships. So, you know, I had to learn how to recruit with what the product was, right? You know, the, the academic piece, the, the athletic piece, um, you know, thankfully at that time, you know, like Matt Crispino, he's now at Princeton. Um, you know, he was a, a hustler. You know, he, he was, you know, uh, running a thousand miles per hour, you know, with me, helping me figure out how to, to, to do that, right, without aid. Um, then you go, you know, to the ACC at Virginia Tech, you got scholarships. Um, that was the first time that I think I was a part of a program that was fully funded. But there was different limitations within that as how you could package aid, you know, academically and athletically and things like that. Um, during my time in the SEC, rules changed again, and there was different pieces of, of aid that you could now give to athletes. Um, and so every, every place I've been, it's just kind of changed, um, just as like I think the NCAA has changed. Um, and I think that's provided me with a pretty unique, um, I don't want to say vision, but like understanding of just how to, to kind of work within it, you know? And I just sat down with Dave, you know, for, for like 45 minutes yesterday, yesterday, two days ago, you know, just doing a deep dive into to all of that here. Right. You know, because this, this is a little different than, than the SEC and, and Tennessee, um, which again is, I, I think I'm uniquely, uh, situated and just having had a lot of different experiences at different places yeah when i swam in canada i was doing recruiting and there's no scholarships to any canadian schools so you have to be able to afford a good school if you want to swim in canadian school and that that's that's a tough sell for people who can't afford it and we've asked a lot of athletes especially in australia and england it's like well why didn't you choose to swim in the ncaa why don't many of your teammates from here what is it about it and a lot of the time they came to well we have the facilities we have the funding we have the you know natural training centers in in england and what have you in um universities in australia really good you know bond and griffith this this but how do you sell the ncaa to the European athletes, to these young South Africans that are coming up? How, how are you setting this system here who may have the good facilities, who have a good culture, but they don't want to leave home? What are you selling about the NCAA? I think it's the experience, right? Like the, the combination that you get to find within the NCAA. Um, I, I think it's pretty unique even within um, some of the countries that have great systems in, in place, right? Yeah. You know, I think the NCAA and, and 
college as a whole here in the U.S. is is just different. And then you you start talking about the experience that you have, right? You know, for a lot of athletes that train at training centers, um, or you know, with with great club teams, you know, back back home, you know, I think, you know, what we talk about is just the team component is completely different than anything that you've experienced, right? You know, until you're, you know, on the side of a deck, you know, during a dual meet, you know, and it's coming down to the last relay. Or you look over to you know your side of the pool, you know after you touch somebody out, you know, and they're losing their minds for you, right? Like, I, I just don't think there's any experience quite like that, you know, unless you're you're at the Olympics or things like that. And even then, for a lot of countries, right? Like you you don't have massive squads there with you. Um, so I think just the team component and the experiences had are, are the the separating factor and, and reason why a lot of people make the, the the change to come to the states in the NCAA. But coach, yards suck. My my federation doesn't understand yards. It's gonna make me a worse long course swimmer. I can't make trials because my yards time don't convert. They don't accept it. How do you do with that stuff? Yeah, I think you just at that point you just talk about how you how you balance it, how you manage it, right? You yeah. know. Everywhere I've been that's had a long course pool, um, you know, we're swimming long course during the short course segment of the year, right? Um, and, and then obviously, like, stats talk, right? You know, if you can talk about how this person progressed in yards throughout their season, but then went on to have those big swims, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, as I say, the, the proof is in the pudding. You know, if, if you can consistently show that you're finding a way to put emphasis on their, their country's trial meets, you know, and having them ready for those big competitions uh, I think that 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 answers a lot of the questions that do come up and I think over time like coaches abroad begin to kind of trust trust what you've done if you've done a pretty good job at it right you know and I think there's communication that goes into play with it where like you 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 know again if you're taking the time to have conversations with their uh, their coaches back home you know that goes a long way you know yep. if they're a part of it You've mentioned some learnings, lessons that you've uh, gotten from coaches above you so far, but I'm curious if there are some of like the most impactful um, learnings or nuggets of wisdom. Um, you know, as, as somebody who reads books, you know, I'm often thinking if I can take away one thing from that book, then it's time well spent. And, you know, if you, if you do that a lot, it's hard to remember every specific detail. So along your, you know, coaching journey are what are some of the most important, most impactful learnings uh, that you've gotten from those coaches that you've learned from that you've taken with you to shape the coach you are today? Yeah, I, mean, I think the most important by far is like be a good human being. Right. Like, again, I've been blessed to, to work with a lot of great people that are great fathers and husbands and uh, mentors. Right. And and I think that truly does make a difference. Right. Like swimming, swimming is swimming. There's different variables that go into it, but there's so much more that goes into like a, a personal person's overall development. Right. You know, if they're not in a great, great space mentally um emotionally right like a lot of those other components like they come crashing down and so I, I think that's probably the biggest takeaway i've had from from some of the people that i've been able to work for is just just be a genuine good human being um and then a lot of things kind of take care of itself you know as, as long as you're doing a good job coaching um you know the 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 hunger for knowledge i think comes next right like again like i don't think anybody out there that's doing a good job feels like they there's only one way to do it um you know i think you you can have your foundational understand understanding and beliefs of things 
but you can still figure out how to do something a little bit better. Um, I'd say those are kind of my, my, my big two, um, just communicate. I think if you can communicate well, like that also solves a lot, but it kind of goes back into like the good person thing. Mm-hmm. We're learning so much more about our sport. Almost it seems daily when I swam in the nineties, nutrition was just mentioned, but not sleep, mm-hmm. not recovery. Um, you know, mental health is, is something that is, is more important and you just mentioned it. How are you, um, how are you evolving as a coach based on what you just said, given the new, the very important ways that we need to coach the athletes beyond just their catch and their finish? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, there's so many tools out there right now, you know, whether it be whoop and I don't, I don't have a whoop band yeah. on, but like, you know, whoop or like a aura ring or things like that, where, you know, you can dive, do deep dives into your recovery, um, you know, for, for athletes, you know, in the collegiate space, right. You know, one, one beer, one glass of wine, right, could, you know, plummet your recovery for, for a day or two, right? So there's just so many things that if you choose to dive into it, you know, you can get better yeah. pretty easily, you know? And, and so I think helping athletes understand, and every school is different, right, with the resources that are available. Um, but, you know, if you can help them understand that there's resources out there and if you can help them uh, get into it, right, then they can take some ownership within that on their own level. Right. You know, you can give, give athletes all these things, but if they're not taking ownership in it and, and, sure. and whatnot, then there's no point in having it. So, you know, I, I think uh, in having those conversations and, and again, giving them a platform to, to tinker, <laughs> you know, yeah. that's, that's when you know, you can take that next step. Nice. You said. A lot of times when we, we think about learning, like we've been talking about other coaches above you or, you know, senior coaches to you that you've learned from, it's kind of like top down learning. But I think especially on the coaching level, when you're with so many, you know, athletes uh, in that age range, you can also be top bottom up where you're learning things from, from some of your athletes. Are there any things that stand out that, you know, you need not say names, but you can keep it general, like things that athletes taught you or made you think about things a little bit differently that come to mind? Yeah. I mean, again, just kind of like the, the mechanics and how people move. Like, you know, I, I think my first two months at, at Tennessee, like I just watched Erica Brown swim. Like, you know, I think she's like five, seven, five, six, <laughs> she might say five, eight, but you know, she, she swims like she's, you know, six foot, you know, the way that she has body awareness, the connection that she carries. And it's something that she works on, on daily, you know, in and out of the water. But just watching the way that she was able to have uh, more body control, more body awareness, like that was something that I just I just watched and, and would ask her what she's feeling, um, you know, and she could she could describe it, you know, kind of word for word. Um, you know, Jordan Crooks, kind of the same thing, like me and Matt Kredich, there'd be times that, that Crooks would do something in the water and we look at, at each other and be like, have you ever seen that? And we're like, no. <laughs> so, you know, like those little things, right? Like, yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and I wouldn't even call it bottom, bottom up, right? You're just kind of learning from who you're surrounding yourself with. I, I always get asked, oh, Luke, that swimmer's super talented, or that's a generational talent. And like, oh, is that a, is he a, or she a talented swimmer? And I'm like, well, what do you mean by talented? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like, like, is it, is it, is it, a, it's so many aspects. It's the mindset. It's the, it's the attitude, the work ethic, the, the calmness, the, and obviously the feel and, and the ability to learn and to follow instructions and evolve. What, is there such a thing as a talented swimmer, generational talented swimmer? How would you define that? Or it's so many layers to that. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess you could define it, but it's probably pretty hard, right? Because you're not a generational swimmer. And so you've, 
done something generational, generational. right? Yeah. And so, like, I think there's, like, a, again, a trail of breadcrumbs that lead up to that moment, right? You know, I think there's obviously some athletes that go on to do some things. And as you kind of look at, at them, right, you could say, oh, well, this guy's 6'5", or, you know, this guy, again, moves really well. Or, you know, like, if you're looking for something, you're going to find something to attribute to the reason why. But sometimes you just grind and, and work hard and, and it comes together, right? But again, I, I do think there are those components that come into the makeup of that as a whole, right? Being willing to learn and listen and try and and then work hard and take care of your body out of the water and, and all those things. You know, I don't think there's too many athletes in the history of the sport that just kind of show up here or there and are just intrinsically good, you know? How many times have you made a mistake? Like, oh, rats, I, I didn't think this athlete would go there. You know, like, because sometimes the, the athlete's life changes for different reasons or, or the personality you didn't see was actually a hindrance or a benefit. How many times did you make a mistake on your, on your prediction of the athlete? Good or bad? I don't know if, yeah, I mean, I don't know if I would call it a mistake um, one way or the other, but, yeah. you know, I think you could say, like, been surprised, yeah. right? Um, you know, there again, like the, the college years, you know, you're working with 17 to 23 year olds, 17 to 24 year olds sometimes. Right. And there's so many things like, as you leave mom and dad's house for the first time and have freedom yeah. and, you know, are, are being asked to, to be a great student. You're being asked to be an elite athlete. Um, there's so many things that are kind of pulling at you in all these right. different areas. Um, you know, uh, Ned Skinner, he always talked about like the symphony of greatness, you know, and there's so many different, you know, like instruments that go into the, the overall yeah. sound, right? Yeah, yeah. And so there's things that like if, if one thing is off, right, it can affect the, the overall product. Um, but again, I think that goes back to the relationship component where like if you can, and you never do, you can never manage everybody, right? You know, because there's so many, there's so many things that, that pull at all of us. Um, but, you know, I think if you can help to the best of your ability, you know, you can, can, for the most part, help people along their way. Um, but yeah, there's times that people mess up or do this or that, or on the reverse side, there's sometimes people like might have a breakthrough moment at a time and you didn't think it was going to happen because maybe their last two yeah. months of training have been average. Um, you know, so I think both ends of the spectrum, you know, there's uh, moments of surprise. It's why I wasn't a generational talent, obviously, guys. I had that one instrument, just one. That was <laughs> right? <It was> just one. <laughs> You were a generational talent. It was just generations ago. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Josh, we got a few rapid fire and then we'll let you go. Well, mostly rapid. Some of them, maybe not. What's the hardest race in swimming? Uh, yeah, it depends, right? Like, <laughs> I think the 4IM long course is pretty challenging, right? Like that exposes a lot. You know, you don't get to, to fake some things around your walls or... You know, so I'd say maybe the 4am long course is pretty challenging, but on the flip side of it, uh, the 50 free long course is pretty hard, right? Yeah. You know, it's just, it's just depends, you yeah. know, on what, what race you're swimming. I guess you can look at it as everything is, that's not really an answer, but <laughs> would, you rather co would you rather coach an Olympic gold or a world record? Can it be both? Can you have the, the <laughs> world record and the Olympic gold? <laughs> well everyone wants that obviously <laughs> let's, break the, let's break the world in semis and then get the golden finals <laughs> oh that's the way to do it yeah all right um what's the greatest swim that you ever saw live 
the I forget what NCAA's it was, but there was at the men's meet. It was probably six, seven, eight years ago. The men's mile at NCAA's. Uh, I think there was like six or seven lead changes, and it came down to like four guys all at the end within like point something of each other. That one was pretty pretty awesome. Everybody's on their feet, losing their minds, you know. Like that one was pretty cool. I think when Caleb went seventeen for the first time, everybody's like, "Oh my gosh!" You know, I think he won that one by it might have been over over a second or like point eight or something like that. Um, you know, I think those are just those those swims where it's like so competitive from that mile component, or like it's just a wow swim, you know, breaking the yeah. barrier, you know. Yeah. Any of the listeners know what uh, what year that mile was? Drop it in the comments. Um, has generative AI or Chat GPT shaped uh, any of your recruiting processes or the way that you coach? I, I wouldn't say it's shaped any of my recruiting processes or the way that I coach, but I do get it to write bedtime stories for me for my five year old. <laughs> that is handy if you haven't done it. It's Good money. Idea. Say, <laughs> so give it, give it, you know, your kid's name, what, what he or she likes, you know, give it a, a template. And, you know, and those are, those are banging <laughs> stories. They're great. On it, on it. Just wait until you integrate that with uh, the generative voice and then it could be your voice reading. That's, that's a coaching hack for sure for efficiency. I love it. If there was one rule in swimming that you could change, like a dumb rule or something you think that just uh, is behind the times, what would it be and why? I mean, I know why it's there for safety purposes. Right. But I mean, like there's so many people that are good underwater. Like if you want to take swimming again, just to be fast, like, push that back just a little bit or get rid of it right you know then you could really see some some things take off you know especially in the sprints like that that'd be awesome if we get a lot more cameras it would be awesome if not it looks like watching fin swimming championships and just look it up on youtube and it's terrible (laughs) um what's the biggest mistake that you've made as a coach what did you learn from it i think earlier on in my coaching career i tried to manage too much um you know, again, I think that ownership piece, like, uh, I think you can contribute to an athlete while also allowing them to be a massive part of it. Um, and I like to think that over, over the years, I've taken a step back from that, that standpoint, um, you know, and, and still help, um, as needed, um, maybe, maybe sometimes too much, maybe sometimes not enough, but, but try to, to challenge the athlete to, to figure it out on their own a little bit more or to, you know, tell them, Hey, it's okay. You know, like we don't have to have it right now. Like you, you try to figure it out, you know, how, how long are we away from somebody getting under that 50 free long course world record? Do you see it happening in the next, within this Olympic cycle? I think you, I think you gotta say, yeah. Right. Like, you know, it's, we're getting, we're, we're close. There's some guys that are, are right on the cusp, I think. Um, yep. so uh, yeah, I'm going to say, yeah, semis, semis world record, and then, then go on to win the gold. <laughs> I love it. All right. How often do your swimmers do social kick? Be honest. So again, I'm, I'm the new guy on the block here, but, but Dave has, uh, had a healthy amount of social kick thus far. <laughs> so it's been My great. It's been, yeah. I'd say it's been uh, helpful for me. Yeah. I, I'm able to chirp back and forth with, with them a little bit and, you know, as yeah. I'm, I'm getting to know each one. That's what I'm talking about. Well, I know that you're uh, just unpacking, but hopefully you uh, arriving in California, you've had plenty of avocado toast. I'm sure that you have an electric car already. So just, you know, as you assimilate into life, uh, enjoy it. It's going to be awesome. Absolutely. Well, 
Thanks for hanging out with us, Josh. Really enjoyed it. Cool, guys. Likewise. Thanks for having me. That's it for this episode of Social Kick. We'll see you next time. See you guys. Go Bears. Hey, everybody. Thanks for hanging out with us. If you're enjoying Social Kick, tell your friends about it. And be sure to tell us what you liked by leaving a comment. And subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Instagram. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel, The Social Kick. And you can find all of our content on our website,